right. Just grab it like a six pack, bro. It always works. Sports meets beer. Beer. <laughs> Here we are. It is March Madness NCAA Selection it's Sunday. In the air. It is crazy. We have tried to do this recording 17 times. This is number 18. It's going to work. It's like they always say, 18 times the charm. That's it. That's what my granddaddy told me back in the day. Uh, we are here. Sports meets beer. I am Ben. That is Brad. I think your granddaddy actually told you that make sure she's 18. I think it's a different thing. That's, yeah. Here nor there. Back then it was probably said make sure she's 15. They wed at 15. Had kids at 16. Died at 19. That's tragic life. Yeah, no kidding. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> so, Be that as it may. Uh, let's, uh, let's. I am I am Brad Parmore. That is Ben Perry. We usually talk about all things sports, meats, and beer. We are foregoing the beer and the meats. No, it, it, this pump, afternoon. Pump the brakes. Hold on, we are not discussing. Well, the, we're drinking. We're drinking the beer, but I. We, yeah, actually, we are we not going to be reviewing things. beer, but we will be right. consuming beer. I don't yeah. want to sell our fans short. Make them think we're a bunch of chumps. Well, obviously, obviously, <laughs> it doesn't take much. Right. But it is a bonus episode. We will be doing our usual Friday release this week. As yeah, usual, don't. Uh, it's a special occasion, Ben. March Madness. Don't go changing your clocks. Don't check your laptop. Don't chase your tablet. Yeah, stick to the rivers and creeks you're used to. But I'd say this is a bonus episode, so it'll be another one following up this on normal Friday. Uh, but this is just something extra we wanted to do. We pledged to do it last uh, episode, and hook or crook, we're going to make this thing happen. Yeah, so uh, it is, at this time, at the time that we are recording this, it is about 11 o'clock on Tuesday night. Uh, we have had a chance to watch the first four games in, um, which... We were, is a loose term. We were calling them, or they were calling them the first round, which is very confusing for everyone. Um, we actually, uh, the first four thing is relatively new. Um, the tournament actually goes back, uh, if I can recall, the tournament goes back to like 1939, uh, well, before you jump into that, I just want—I kind of want to give the listeners just an idea. You know, we're going to talk. Brad's jumping into the history now. We're going to go through and make some bold predictions with, yes. it, with bracketology, uh, which I know you hate that word, so I'm going to try to use it as much as possible. Uh, and then we're going to go through, and I've got a couple pointers. I've got five pointers uh, for those of you that that hopefully haven't turned off yet. If you're a sports fan, uh, or I'm sorry, if you're not a sports fan like me, as far as uh, collegiate basketball, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I've got five different ways for you to pick out a bracket when you don't know a thing about college basketball. So please listen to that. And to be honest with you, if you're going to jump in without knowing anything, this is the year to do it. There's about 30 teams that are probably capable of winning the title. Well, it's one of those things, you know, depending on where you work, you know, some guy, you know, from the file room or, or, you know, bartender or whatever, someone's going to ask you to play a bracket at some point if you're not beat over the head with it by your uh, personal email provider. There's ads everywhere. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that uh, DraftKings hasn't come out with something. Well, DraftKings has an awful lot of trouble going on right now. Yeah, they they have to funnel all their money from uh, advertising into legal fees. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, this is something that uh, yeah everyone asks you to do a bracket. Uh, myself, I've always been timid. I've always just said, ah, you know, I've never done one. In fact, I've never done a collegiate bracket. This is the year. I'm going to put one together. I'm going to put it up there, uh, choosing one of my five methods. Five methods. <laughs> Outstanding. So let's give it a little quick here. So everyone kind of says, you know, nobody really knows, you know, how did the tournament start? What, what's the deal? The tournament started in 1939. It had eight teams in it, um, and no one was really interested. 
Um, <laughs> it's the honest to God truth because it was you know you ended up getting you know uh, it was the same eight teams pretty much every year. Um, God, I went, how many, in 1938, how many colleges were there? Well, there, were just, there were quite a few colleges, and part of the problem is that you can't get a tournament together that not all the teams can even freaking get to. Right. Um, and then uh, in 1950, it switched and went up to 16 teams, and then from uh, 1951 on, it went anywhere from 16 to 25 teams to eventually 32 teams, and now, you know, you kind of siphon through. The reality is when it was... Uh, the weird um, 16 teams you had uh, UCLA pretty much dominating it every year from 1964 all the way through until 19. Just to get a visual, I'm looking basically. over at your notes, and basically, if you if this was like a USA Today bar graph, UCLA would be on top, and it would be it's the farthest to the right you could possibly get. It's got so many years listed. Well, it goes it goes like this. It goes 64, 65, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, and 75. Which basically puts it at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 out of 12 years they won the title. <laughs> Sounds like a UCLA created this monstrosity. Uh, and so, yeah, well, that's part, that's a, kind of a big deal. So the tournament really didn't generate a lot of interest because everybody kind of knew who was going to win. You know, John Wooden's one of the greatest basketball coaches, you know, sports coaches, really, there's ever been. Um, and then, you know, he was able to recruit. He had great players. He had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, was one of those big guys. But, um, you know, guys knew, everybody knew that UCLA was going to end up winning. And then as the field expanded, there was more interest. But it really wasn't until 1979, uh, which was about four years after their, um, after Wooden retired, that uh, it really became sort of the national interesting, and that became, that was when Indiana State played Michigan State in the in, uh, in the tournament final, and that was the great Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson final, and that was the first time that they sort of talk about uh, one of those games um, generating millions of viewers. I imagine that, that's the pinnacle point in in this in this tournament in this bracket, you know, the bracketology, if you will. Sure. Uh, that, that's probably that, you know, that's the eclipse. It's where, you know, it finally hits everything and it has that shining moment of two. I mean, those are two mega stars that people already knew were going to be mega stars. Everyone knew they were going to the NBA. I mean, those guys were just, they were, they were huge before, before, you know, before this happened. Right? Yeah, and, you know, that's actually an interesting uh, sort of dichotomy between this tournament and, say, that tournament. Um, you know, if you can name me, you know, all, you know, it, back then you could give me all five of the first team All-Americans. Right. You know, even up until like the mid-90s, you could give me all five of the first team All-Americans. You can't give me one of the first team All-Americans now. Let me tell you that it's a little information I know, and I want to say the dude's name. The last thing I remember from any collegiate, last time I watched, um, uh, you know, from March Madness, dude, uh, is it Noah Land? Not Noah Landry. From Bulls? Noah? <laughs> Joakim Noah. Yeah, Joakim Noah. That's right. That's it. I got, yeah. I remember his, his awesome hair. Yeah. And then he went to the Bulls. Now that's like the last year I was like, I actually retained something. Yeah, they were a fun. That. that Billy Donovan team, that, they were a fun team to watch. They Who's would Noah get, Landry then? Uh, you're confusing him with Noah Lowry, who is actually a Sonoma County resident and also uh, pitched for the Giants for a few years where he had forearm trouble. It's good. sports. There we go. I tie everything together. Good, good lefty. <laughs> didn't throw particularly hard. I think he topped out right around 88, 89 miles an hour. He had a big bender. Could get a lot of left handers out. He had four 88 miles an hour, huh? I bet you he yeah. threw 1.21 gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts. 
anyway. So anyway, so the first uh, tournament bracket, as far as we know, uh, took place in the late 70s at a uh, place at a bar in Long Island. Uh, it started out with like 80-something uh, participants for $10 a piece, and in uh, 2007 was the last year that it actually took place, and it uh, had enough people in it at $10 a piece to be just a shade over $1.5 million in prize That's money. That's insane. One bar in Long Island. No, Staten Island. Staten Staten Island. Island. I, I, I tell you, I can't imagine. Number one, there's got to be a lot of bars around there and be like, no, 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 we were the first. Because everyone loves to be the first at something. Oh, sure. If you go to New York now, everyone claims to be the original Soup Nazi. Right. It's like, you know, oh. they, they all say, oh, we're the restaurant that Seinfeld was yeah, at. Just like just in Philly. You're, not, you're in Jersey. Yeah. Just like in, you know, Philly. Everyone's the original, uh, you know, Philly cheesesteak, cheese the oh, whole yeah. deal. But, uh, man, man, what a genius idea. Well, it only takes one idiot to ruin it. The guy who won in 2006 claimed it on his damn taxes. Fool. The IRS started poking around. They started looking into it, and then they shut down that operation, and they got the guy, the owner of the bar, for tax evasion. The bar still operates today, from what I understand. It's it's called Sandy's uh, Field Bar or something like that. I tell you, that might be on our bucket list of uh, places to go to. And I keep in mind, I hate the phrase bucket list. But, I mean, I'm not going to call it a bracket list. He hates the phrase bucket list uh, because of his experiences with buckets full of pee. Go back and check out our first podcast <laughs> if you want to follow that. Way up. to tie that one in. <laughs> bitch. Anyway, uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Well, here's I mean, what I'm going to tell you. Give me a rundown. Here's what I'm going to tell you. So, college basketball as it stands is uh, atrocious. Uh, and what I mean by that is the level of play, the quality of play is pretty low. Um, you're dealing with, uh, you know, big, strong, um, big, strong athletic guys uh, that are playing on a high school level uh, basketball court, really. Um, you know, you go, the free throw line is, or the three point line is 19 feet, and you're taking, you know, high school level guys, and uh, you are now concentrating the talent pool, and you are putting them into a much more concentrated talent level, and you are keeping stronger, faster, larger athletes to play on the same size field. Um, and what ultimately ends up happening is in a game that's predicated on spacing, uh, if wait, you Wait, when you mean spacing, like as far just between players? Yeah, so like if, I, you know, if, we, if we say spread out enough and we move the ball well enough, eventually I can throw it faster than you can run. So you're eventually... I think my five-year-old can throw it faster than I can run. Fair enough. So... Eventually, what's going to happen is if I keep the ball moving, eventually I'm going to get it so far out in front of the defense, you know, from a from a, a pursuit standpoint, that I'm going to get an open look, be it from the perimeter or around the basket. Because everyone's trying to pursue and close in on the ball. Well, if I have a three-point line that's only 19 feet versus the 22 feet in the NBA, if I have a, free, a three-point line and everyone's looking to take the high-efficiency three-point shot, it means that you get a lot of contested shots. And with the, the shot clock being as long as it is, at the college level, you just get five, six, seven, eight passes that mean nothing around the perimeter to one pass onto the block, back out, or in traffic for either a contested jump shot or a rushed layup. There's a lot of bad shots. There's a lot of misses. This sounds a lot like a, a movie that I'm really, really fond of. A little bit like Hoosiers. Debbie does Dallas? No. Oh. Hoosiers. Didn't he talk about passing around a lot? Yeah, he talks about we make five passes, but the reason that they do that is that is a small hickory high. is a small high school. They're trying to get you to pursue the ball. They're trying to create spacing. They they move the ball five times. 
they get a series, they get an open look at the end of it. Okay. This is not that level. They're passing the ball around. They're not moving it from corner to corner all the way around. The five passes are from the wing to the wing to the wing to the wing to the wing. It's a lot of passes that don't accomplish much, and that it can be frustrating to watch. Um, but it does not mean that the excitement is not there. You get late in these games. There will not be very many blowouts. There's probably there's legitimately 25 teams that can make a run at the title. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of teams. Holy yeah, normally holy. you're you know you're five or six yeah, yeah. teams. But, you know, there's, I mean, you look at some of these games, you look at the way some of the conference tournaments played out, there's a legitimate 25 teams that could make a run of the title that you would that would not be surprises. Um, so the excitement will be there. You just have to sit there and stomach brick after brick. And in some, of these, in some of these stadiums and arenas that are not built for basketball originally, you know, they put these temporary yeah, they, basketball yeah, stanchions in. I mean, that's kind of, that seems janky to begin with. Well, yeah, I agree. But, you know, they put these basketball hoops in, and the way they situate the microphones... Um, when they hit the rim, it makes an, just a ridiculous clank noise. Kadoosh! Yeah, I mean, it, just, it sounds like they're building houses. It sounds oh, like a buddy. bunch of dudes working the railroad. Just oh. clank, clank. Goodness, um, that can't be good for anyone. But you're going to get a bunch of teams that play great defense. They get on a transition. Those are the teams that you really have to watch out for because they're the ones, they're going to create offense with defense. Um, you know, if you have a lot of half-court half court offense and stuff, the games are just difficult to watch. Awesome. All right, so now that you know a little bit about the history of the tournament, you know why the state of play is crap and that we don't care. Um, you know, the reality is it is wildly popular. The gambling on it, the, the office pools, all that stuff is wildly popular. But there actually, I've been reading recently that uh, some of the ratings for a lot of these games are down considerably. And I don't know if that's because people aren't tuning in to watch them on TV anymore or if it's because they've made them so readily accessible online you can pretty much stream all the games online well i think that's going to be an and it's like you know you don't have to pirate them like i do with the or people do with <laughs> the nfl games or whatever no 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 these are now it's i mean the stream is so much more uh the stream is so much more popular for a number of reasons you know this goes back into what you mentioned about the workplace yeah. depending on what your work firewall situation is you could stream it very easily cbs sports you know is an easy thing to get yeah, so uh, I mean, it's and it's not like a you got to go to this site to find it. Like they make it readily available. Oh, it's to like you. click here and you can, you can watch, watch any of the games that are on. They make it easier to stream this like this bracket versus like Major League Baseball, NFL football, things well, like that. Well, it's not a pay per view thing, right? So, but the thing about it is that they also don't take that viewership into consideration, which is kind of the biggest farce. You know, Nielsen's generally talk about own you know television viewership ratings. television ratings. And now what they do is they basically source out the digital content. They've got, they share the advertising cost. So right. Domino's is gonna do discount pizzas for the whole March Madness. They do it every year. Uh, now they're able to go to another pizza company and do the digital side of this. Right. And still offer it and, and still have commercialism and still sell them for prime dollars because you're not able to skip those ads. Right. It's the DVR world. It is crazy. But uh, no, it's it's a it's a real thing, and uh, but yeah, streaming it's easy. I mean, there's there's no shortage of where to find these these games. Uh, that's for sure. Well, the thing, uh, you know, as we as you move into looking at your bracket, which you know the bracket filling out, filling outedness, um, bracketology filling outness. Yeah, is is as popular as it's ever been, and will probably just continue to be so. You know, the argument that you always hear is, um, well, how could this team only be an 11 seed, or how could this team not get in, or how could this team, you know, how does this team end up with a number one seed? 
Who do you remove? That's the question you always have to ask. Who would you take out? Who would you replace it with? Um, and every year you always have teams that have like a legitimate argument. This is one of those years that you don't have that. There are so many qualified. There are a lot of teams that should that deserve to be in the tournament, or that that are good enough to be in the tournament that didn't make it um, because it's so wide open. And the reality is, you either won enough games to get in or you didn't. There's, right. there's no, you know. There's no, uh, you know, in Gonzaga, a perennial March Madness, you know. Team, yeah. Team. They just, they do well. They were at Cinderella back in the, you know, late 90s. But, you know, they, they are consistently in there every year. You know, when they're an 11 seed, and they, they've played well down the stretch, you know, you know that. Uh, it makes you, makes you question the, uh, the whole process. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, it makes you, it makes you marvel at. No, you know, the, at I question the, the process. How wide open the tournament can really be. <laughs> um, so I'd like to go. If I could, please do. I'd like to go sort of uh, region by region here, just kind of point out some things that jump out to me, make some quick predictions. Region by region, I'm gonna guess you're gonna start with the West. Uh, nope, I'm gonna start with the South because oh, it's in the top left of the bracket. Oh, I, I was scrolled down too far. There you go. There it is. All right. So Kansas actually coming in at number one. <laughs> so Kansas is the number one seed there. Um, I like Kansas to come out of there because they really only have, in my opinion, they only have two uh, legitimate threats in that, I think, personally. Villanova's a good team, um, but they have two legitimate threats, and that's California and Maryland. Uh, In these tournaments, it's all about guard play. It's all about who your superstars are, and Maryland and Cal both have great guards, and Cal has high-level talent on its team. They're very young. I'm rolling with Cal. Uh, yeah, local guys. I would too. I, Ivan Rob's a great player. They, you know, they they get a, they they're one of the best defensive teams in the tournament. It's been, I think it's been since November since somebody shot forty five percent against them. They they are really good defensively, but you know, unfortunately, Maryland and Cal have to play each other in the second round. Uh, assuming Maryland gets by South Dakota State and Cal gets by Hawaii, which is no small task, by the way. Hawaii is very athletic. They're very fast up and down the floor. Um, so those are the. If you were to pick an upset, it's going to be one of those two teams because they have the horses to do it. But Bill Self's a good coach. Um, you know, Kansas is going to be ready to go. Uh, and I, you know, the uh, Vanderbilt Wichita State game. Uh, Wichita State rolled Vanderbilt uh, tonight. But the reality is that's the first time that there's been a game uh, in the first four games that means anything. They're usually pretty much, hey, who's going to end up getting their asses kicked by a number one seed? Um, but this is a this is a chance to be an 11 seed, and they end up getting to play Arizona, who will likely roll them anyway. Um, but that's kind of an interesting interesting uh, feature. The other interesting thing, you know, I mentioned Arizona and Cal now, right out the gate. The Pac-12 had seven teams in the tournament this year. That's the most they've ever had. It's pretty um, big. It's pretty big for them. And they notori- the Pac-12 notoriously. For the record, I still have a hard time calling them the Pac-12. So do I. <laughs> uh, the Pac-12, you know, since. You know John Wooden's run of dominance as the coach at UCLA. They haven't particularly showed well in this tournament, at least in my immediate memory. I mean, Arizona's got a tournament. Um, Arizona's got a tournament win, tournament win since I was a kid, and uh, UCLA has a national title since I was a kid. But that's it. Stanford's never won. Cal's never won. Um, uh, yeah, I, there's a lot of teams that have not. USC's never won a title. Oregon hasn't won since like 1949. Um, which brings me to the next bracket, which is the West. Oregon's the number one seed there. West uh, side. West side. Uh, interesting. So the other trap, or the trap that a lot of people will fall into in this bracket, is they will look at teams that they've heard of or they've seen on TV or they know are good. 
um, you'll get people get caught up uh, picking teams that they know or that they follow or that they have been good in past tournaments. Don't fall into this trap with Duke. People are going to they're going to pick Duke. Duke's got great frontline talent, um, but they're not very deep defensively. I think they're going to get by UNC Wilmington, but Baylor is way too athletic. They're way too fast. Duke does not have the depth to get behind them or to get ahead of them. Uh, I think Duke's going to have a fairly early exit in this tournament. And that's the team that, you know, that ultimately won last year. So, um, you know, that that's really the game. I, I think if you're going to pick, like, a, the biggest threat to Oregon, I, I actually think Oregon is likely to be the earliest number one out in this tournament. Um, I don't see them losing to to their first round matchup a 16's never beat a one but uh i do see them losing to baylor likely and i think texas a&m is probably the team that comes out of that um that bracket there isn't a whole lot from an excitement standpoint although as i look at this baylor's a big fast athletic team yale's coming out of the ivy league i remember back to like 96 when harvard beat ucla in the first round they slowed the game down there was a lot of backdoor cuts pete carrill was the head coach there and they, it was a much slower game. They tried to take the more athletic UCLA team out of its rhythm. And I have a feeling that um, Yale's going to try and do the same thing here. There's always a 12-5 upset every year. This is a 12-5 that I, um, that I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this was the game that actually came through. And even despite that, I still see Duke being out by the time that Sweet 16 rolls around. So that's the West. The Midwest, uh, Virginia's the number one seed. I don't understand how Michigan State gets a number two seed in this situation. Tom Izzo, Michigan State's my my pick for the national championship. They're the best coach team in basketball. They always have a handful of seniors. They're always they always have experience. Uh, the tournament in its sort of scattershot methodology, you know, you never know who you're going to play. You know, can you survive the run? Who's get who's hot? Who's not? Sometimes it just comes down to a, you know a match of wills. Tom Izzo is the best at getting his guys ready to just want it more than the guys around them. So, you know, they're going to get up and, you know, they have Virginia in their bracket. Um, they have Texas Tech in their bracket. They have some, you know, Gonzaga's playing really well right now. Utah's another Pac-12 team, um, you know, that can get out and run. I just, Michigan State is just always so well prepared. They do this cool drill that I, I always think back to where they, Izzo will throw the ball off the backboard and then let his guys uh, get after it with no rules, basically. Because his feeling Prison is rules. yeah, his feeling is basically rebounding is not about athleticism; it's about desire. So, you know, he coaches those guys to try and get the most desire out of them. And like I said, in the scatter shot type situation that the tournament presents, those teams are often the ones that come out on top. Well, so, got, they've got grit. I mean, they're, you they they do they do. Um, I, I I like Michigan State to win the whole thing, um, and so. Taking that to the east, the east is actually kind of interesting because, um, you know, it's like I said, you've got uh, great guards and star star power will oftentimes do well in these tournaments. And you've got North Carolina, which has great guards. You've got Indiana, which has great guards. You've got Kentucky, which has great guards and star power. And John Calipari seems to have these have his guys ready to go um, in these time of year, even though they're always full of freshmen. You know, those are uh, three teams that, you know, are going to be on a collision course with each other. And unfortunately, Indiana and Kentucky are going to have to play each other in the second round. Much like uh, 
much like Cal and Maryland in the South Conference or the South region, you're going to have Indiana and Kentucky getting after it. So, unfortunately, those are two teams that you know, you'd like to see later on in the tournament, but um, they're going to end up getting with North Carolina. And those are classic programs. You know, Roy Williams is a great coach in North Carolina. John Calipari is a cheater, but a great coach at <laughs> nice. he's a great coach at uh, at um, Kentucky. Indiana's got great guards. The team that I do like, uh, kind of coming out a little bit further than that. Even though Notre Dame seems to show up in these tournaments, especially in the ACC tournament, they knocked out Duke two years in a row now. But uh, West Virginia, Bob Huggins is a great coach. He's got his guys that are always playing tough. You know, they're playing uh, Stephen F. Austin to open, I believe, uh, which is a good matchup for them. Uh, they are going to then turn around and get Notre Dame or the winner of Michigan uh, and Tulsa, two teams that do not deserve to be in the tournament. So Notre Dame's going to roll right past them, which ultimately sets them up for a little bit of a letdown, I think. Um, I like West Virginia. If you're going to pick a team to be the most, the biggest threat to sort of the, the three powerhouses in that region, I like uh, West Virginia to be that threat. So just a quick recap. You know, if you've got any kind of sleepers going on, I like West Virginia. I like uh, possibly of Cal or Maryland. Oh, that's going to be a uh, coin toss because they really have to play each other in the second round. Um, Gonzaga is not one to sleep on, but I really do like Michigan State out of that bracket. And, uh, I, you know, Yale might be the 12-5 matchup to pick if you're going to do that, but I think Texas A&M ultimately comes out of that bracket anyway. Um, and then ultimately, so that makes it brings it down to Kansas, Texas A&M, Michigan State, and North Carolina um, would be eh, – I'm not going North Carolina. Who am I going to go with in that bracket? Who am I going with? I'm going with West Virginia. Fuck it. I think that's – I'm looking, I'm literally looking them up. I And, and this kind of – to jump on what you were saying, you know, I – Again, I will, will profess that I know nothing uh, about a lot of things. But I was watching last Saturday. Uh, I was having lunch. Really cool place in Windsor. And uh, while I was there, I was watching. I mean, literally, the West Virginia game was on. Not by because I asked for it. It just happened to be on. And I really, and it's maybe because of all the, you know, watching the Warriors now, I'm definitely more in tune with basketball. But just watching the game progress, and they seemed like they were on top of their stuff. And, and I got a buddy, you know, from back in the day that uh, would love the, the Mountaineers to go that far. Uh, but anyways, it's one of those things. I think they're going to be the sleeper in that bracket. Well, Bob, that Bob Huggins is a good coach. He's a tough guy. He's got gritty teams that play for him. You know, when he was at Cincinnati, uh, you know, he you – you could argue that he didn't – he had no academic standards for the guys that he had playing at Cincinnati. Uh, they ended up never winning a title under him. But uh, – He's had great success there, and he's had good, you know, longevity here at West Virginia, or at, uh, yeah, West Virginia, and, and they, uh, you know, they're a team that has played well enough going into the tournament that, you know, it's hard to, it, when we say star power, it's not always about the guys that are on the floor sometimes, too. Uh, it is about who's sitting on the bench. You think about, you know, you look at the last few, uh, the last few champions, you know, it's Calipari, it's, uh, let's see, who's the most recent one? Uh, it's Calipari, it's Krzyzewski, it's Roy Williams, it's... Actually, Calipari won two in a row there. <laughs> um, you know, but it's teams... It's it's guys that you recognize is the point. Um, you know, because they just know how to ultimately handle the... Handle the pressure there. Right. Now, the question is, if you don't know how to handle the pressure, what... 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 What strategy should you follow? Oh, man. If you're going to try and pick your... Do bracket? I have some strategies... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, here we are, like I mentioned earlier, 
you get into that office pool, someone hands you that bracket sheet. And this is not like a Super Bowl where you can just pick a couple of numbers and uh, luck of the draw, you might get something. Uh, this is, is truly something we actually have to put spend some time and at least know some of the school names, uh, which I could maybe name, maybe name 30 out of the 64 starting. That's that's how incompetent I am with, with basketball. Uh, but I thank God for Bleacher Report. Uh, Bleacher Report's helped me out. Um, this is the only time that they've helped me out so far. But yeah, they're usually pretty brutal. <laughs> but they, uh, they've actually given me a guide for filling out. This is, I, I literally Googled how to fill out a bracket with no knowledge. Uh, and this is what they came up with. There's five different, uh, five different methods. Choose whichever one will, will suit you. And, and it's really simple. The first one being you go boring. And when, when I say boring, you're picking out, you're going by seed, seed selection. So uh, if you're looking at the names... You're going to look at, you know, at uh, Kansas, and they're going to be ranked, I think they're ranked number one for their bracket, for their uh, division. Uh, you were talking about, you said earlier, Oregon's ranked number one, things like that. So you can start ranking guys just by just by number. Sheer numbers, really easy. It's a safe bet. Um, are you going to, uh, you know, be the office hero? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. You're going safe. Um, but you know what's one of those things? If you want to be involved and make the game more interesting, then it, it's, it, there's a chance. There's a chance anyone can win. It's one in... Nine point something quintillion, as I believe. You should keep in Not mind that quintillion, quintillion. A lot of brackets will use the multiplier method, which is, you know, you get a certain number of points per round. So if you pick the winner in round one, you get one point. The winner in round two, you get two. The winner in round three, you get four points. Uh, you will get the number of points for picking the winner in addition to uh, multiplying out by the seed of the team that you pick to win. A lot of pools do that so that they can. You know, so they can they can, you know, sort of uh, entice you to not pick, be take the boring route like right. that's talking about. Right, right, yeah. So the, the, you definitely want to do which, which actually would take you to the next, the next philosophy, which would be random. You're going to go random on this one. Um, I mean, you're going to take the dartboard approach. You're going to use a coin toss. You're going to, you know, whatever speaks to you. You're going to pick anything for any reason without any rhyme or reason, uh, and that will with that multiplier in place that will generally pay off you you you've, you're gonna pick some upsets and you know hey you pick three or four upsets that that do well you get yourself a lot of points so sometimes it's all about the points not so much the wins losses um so you can go totally random and make a selection that way uh number three is going to go and it's going to help you with points again is going straight upsets going the exact opposite of that number one you go with anyone that's going to upset anybody you get them reasonably close um, like Brad said earlier, you know, a 16 has never beat a 1. But if you go somewhere within that, you know, a 10 has beat a 1. An 8 probably beat a 1. So if you can start going with upsets that way, knock some of these teams off. As Brad said earlier, this is going to be the year where you're going to see some major upsets. There's a lot of good teams out there. So why not go with a strategy? I don't think you see anything wrong with it personally. You go upsets, you score points, and then maybe you can do a little bit of research, find out your decisions as you get to uh, further down the list. Uh, you know, really, you know, especially if you're going in a multiplier pool. Yeah. All you have to do is catch fire just the right so that's, time. And that's really it. That's, you really have to know the pool. Know your pool before you exactly. dip, your, dip your toes into it. Um, number four on this list, uh, which is my least favorite, I think it's the silliest, is going by color schemes. Team colors. That's, that's the most ridiculous way to pick any. I mean, it, and maybe it's me. Maybe it's something that appeals to other people, uh, but it's just something I just can't see. I don't see it making much sense. Baylor is neon green with gold trim and, and deep black. And somewhere, someone's got a room painted neon green 
Well, does neon green trim. always win or does neon green always lose? Doesn't matter. <laughs> neon green is just neon green. It's your favorite. So basically what Ben's saying is that that's not the method that he would follow. No, no, no. Uh, I'm going to take number five off this list. Number five, and I heard this um, back when I used to bartend, uh, or beer tend rather. Uh, man, it was one of those things. This guy would regularly come in all the time. I think his name was Tom. Anyhow, yeah, Tom would always. Usually are. Yeah. It wasn't Tom, Dick, or Harry. Uh, Tom would always say, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going by the mascots. So in a case where, you know, you've got a Blue Jay versus a Tiger. Okay, well, obviously a Tiger's going to win and so on and so forth. So you really go by the pecking order that you would deem in, in, in nature to go by that. And that's actually what my, that's going to be my entire selection this year. I am going to do that. I am going to post that up as soon as I'm done filling everything out. I'm going to go through and study, every, not study the teams, but study the mascots. And I don't care. I don't care about players. I don't care about records. I don't care about coaches. All I care about is what. who's your mascot. So that's where I'm going with this. I know Brad's going to do an actual. He's going to spend time and, and probably come up with charts and diagrams and things like that. And he's going to have way more and, and probably win more. But I'm just going to go by my mascots. That's my pick. Number five on their list, Bleacher Report, is by mascots. That's what uh, Ben Perry is doing. Yeah, I love it. Listen, I, just, I, I did like a mic drop and like walk away right there. I'm, That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm out. I'm telling you, man, this is the type of, you know, the type of bracket where you could literally do that and no one would fault you. There are so many possibilities for winning. Let me put it this way. There's a website out there called bracketmatrix.com that monitors all projected brackets. And on Sunday afternoon, uh, before Selection Sunday, literally no bracket on the planet had Tulsa getting into the tournament. Okay. And Tulsa's playing Michigan tomorrow night in one of the first four games to get in. The point is, is that even some of these, like, you know, the, the computer programs that use metrics to measure these types of things have no idea what's going on. It's so wide open. There are so many teams that deserve to be in, or that are, I shouldn't say deserve, that are good enough to get in, that didn't win the right number of games, or that right. didn't win down the stretch. There's so much going on. Uh, you, there are literally worst ways... Worse ways than picking the mascot, for God's sake. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, there's, uh, like I said, you can go uh, a lot of different methods. Uh, this time you go by uh, some of Brad's lead pipe knee-jerk locks. Uh, we can do this a number of ways. But uh, all, all in all, we hope everyone does a bracket, enjoys themselves. and uh, Drink beer. Yeah, I mean, obviously drink beer while you're doing this. And uh, maybe that'll be, that'll be something coming up down the road. There's going to be some uh, follow-up to... Uh, March Madness beers, because we did talk about at one point, and I hope we can do this, is doing a bracket for beer, for cities and beer. Yeah, we did talk about doing that. So uh, that's something that down the road, that's, we're just going to do a little pre-planning here. But uh, yeah, do a bracket, enjoy yourself, Sports Meets Beer. Before you sign off, please check out our social media page, Sports Meets, and that's M-E-A-T-S, Sports Meets Beer. Uh, Facebook, Sports Meets Beer. Instagram, Twitter. I think we're on Periscope now. We got Slice, are we on Slice yet? No. That's Steph Curry's new venture. Social media, it's called Slice. Steph Curry's some, doing it, and I'm going to do you it. You can again. nail a video from 35 feet out. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever nice. Steph Curry says, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. All right, uh, thank you for checking us out. Remember, uh, we are going to be doing a St. Patrick's Day special coming up on Friday, and much more stuff to follow. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. Woo!